And um, originally, I had one idea for the Purim Shear that when we were not, you know, when we were snowed out last week, I was going to do a different Purim Shear, but then decided that this one worked better. Um, it's Esther based. And what I want to do is understand something that happens in the beginning of the Megillah, because it's the sort of thing which you learn it in school as a kid, and then you hear Megillah every year, and you, I, I shouldn't say you, me, until I started really exploring it and thinking about it, I totally did not understand what was going on in this, uh, in this, um, in this passage we're, we're about to read. Alina, you might have been there when I, um, when I did this as part of... We learned we learned Miggy Load on Tuesday afternoons a couple of years ago, but it's been it's been two years. So yeah, okay. So here's my question. It's the title of the Shir. Does Achashverosh really want a new queen? We know that Achashverosh gets rid of Vashti, and in the non-sanitized version, the version you don't tell your children, you understand getting rid of Vashti means she's dead. Um, for the you know for the crime of refusing his uh, his command and all the different layers that go with that challenging him as king you know the idea in the Gemara that she's from the Babylonian side of things and she's the real power behind the throne all of that is is its own discussion but in the beginning of the second parak in Megillus Esther you know take a look at number four on your sheet I actually brought it as number four it should have been number one. I actually never thought about that question, but now hearing it out loud, he sure did not want another queen. Yeah. Why would he want another queen? He just got rid of her. She was always like talking down to him and saying that, you know, she was really the Malchus and it was her family and like we know that he was considered pretty like yeah. I, I think T Sage like a dumb, like a nothing and dumb and why would he want another person? Like he just got rid of her. So probably he only had to marry one because of like the king needs a queen. Right. I mean, the idea that he's viewed as dumb is is more well, from our well, it's more from our perspective, having read the Gemara on it, than necessarily his people. His people will view him as an insecure king who likes to party and thinks that everybody else likes to party, and therefore. You know, he's going he's gonna, to you know, invite everybody for a 180-day feast from all of his different kingdoms. Like, they have nothing to do. They have no work to do. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the, the, the idea that he is Melech Tipesh is the Gemara's analysis of his political strategy. Because he makes a 180-day party for the whole kingdom, people from all the different lands, the leaders from all the different lands, and then a seven-day party for the locals. And the Gemara assumes that this is a strategy, that his thought is that first he'll take care of all the distant people, figuring that if there's any problem with his reign, his base, the locals, will always protect him. And then once he's done that, then he turns around and he says, okay, now make a seven-day party for the locals. And the debate is, was he smart or was he right. foolish? Was this actually brilliant or was this a foolish thing to do? But that's our analysis of his diplomatic strategy. Um, but in terms of the point that, that you're raising, Hindi, in terms of you know whether he wants a new queen when the previous one um, you know was such a troublemaker for him, um, the answer may be yeah. But if this time you don't hire royalty, right. you know, and that's that's part of a whole other discussion we're not getting to of when he has when Esther says I'm not you know saying where I'm from. When Mordechai says to Esther, don't say where you're from. Is that a strategy to avoid getting selected? Like, if I'm a nobody, then they'll just send me home? Or is it a strategy to get selected? Because I'm a nobody, I'm not a threat to Ahasuerus, and therefore I am more likely 
to, um, to be what he wants in a queen. But I want to go back even before the, that. Even before that, um, take a look at the psukim in, in source number four. I, I only brought to you the uh, the English. I, I've um, lately I've been trying to just do the English for psukim because of Shamos considerations for um, some you know some consider that if you have a full pasuk or even part of it, it can be a problem. So therefore, I don't put the uh, the full pasuk on the sheet anymore. But you have the English. So the pasuk goes after these events. Kishoch Hamas Hamelach Achashverosh, when the rage of King Achashverosh subsided, Zacharis Vashti Ve'Esa He remembered Vashti. He remembered what she had done. Ve'Esa Shenigzaraleh. He remembered what was decreed upon her. And Ve'Yomruna Arei Hamelach Misharasav. The youths of the king, his servants, said to him, Yivakshula Melach. Let them seek for the king. Young women who haven't been with a man, who are of good appearance. And he should set up officers in all the lands, and they should gather them and hold this whole pageant, which, uh, which we know they hold. From this, can you tell me whether Achashverosh wants a new queen? Yeah, he's not really saying anything, which means like he's not upset she died or was killed or anything like that. Like, wouldn't you be... If you had any remorse or wanted to do it, it just says that let them seek young women. What did he remember? What she did. What he did. And what Yeah. Isn't that an interesting um, way to frame it? As if someone else decreed it. As if someone else decreed, right. And that's the Hebrew. What was decreed upon her? It's like, you know, the... Um, yeah. Uh, it, it's like when uh, when someone's angry because you said something terrible, right? I'm sorry you were offended. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know. He says to ba- he says to Vashti, "I'm sorry you died." Like. <laughs> no, it's, it's possible that he didn't want to. Ki- I mean, it sounds weird to say after knowing the details of the story, but it's possible he didn't want to kill her, but he felt like he had to. Maybe. Or he was drunk. Maybe. The drunkenness is for sure there. I mean, in, in general. Yeah, I always thought that he didn't really like, want to kill her, yeah, but it was like what he had to do because she disobeyed the king. So it was like. So we're going to see a bunch of different ideas for what it was that he, um, you know, that, that drove him. What was it that he was remembering? So the first approach is. Rashi's approach, and Ibn Ezra brings it as an idea as well. Ibn Ezra has multiple ideas. But, but Rashi brings it as, what was it that he remembered about her? If you look at number one, Zacharis Vashti es Yofia. He remembered how beautiful she was. Vene'etzav. And he was upset, right? Sad, upset. Does, does that fit with the psukim, that he remembered her beauty? It makes sense as cause and effect, particularly because what do they do? They have a pageant, right? They're going to bring him these women, and he's going to judge them based on their being attractive. So that's that's for sure a possibility. Rav Soloveitchik, in his book Days of Deliverance, has a very interesting comment um, in which he says, Zachar is different from Pakad, both terms that we use for memory. But he says, Zachar is usually a positive memory, Pakad is usually a negative memory. Now, clearly, that's not always true, right? Zachor with Amalek and Pakad for 
Sarah, Vashem Pakada Sarah, right? So clearly that doesn't work down the line. Nonetheless, the overall is, this is a positive memory he has of Vashti. He remembers how beautiful she was. He feels bad that she's no longer there. And so he says, all right, let me find somebody else who's attractive. That's, that's, that's Rashi's read. The um, a second approach, and this is Ibn Ezra's main idea, is it wasn't actually Ahasuerus' idea at all to go get a new queen. Zacharis Vashti, the word Lizkor, doesn't really mean, often doesn't mean to remember, as much as it means to call to mind, to mention. Mm-hmm. Right? We have a mitzvah of Zacharis Yom HaShabbos Lekad Show. Right? Remember Shabbos to make it holy. What do we do to fulfill Zachor as Yom HaShabbos Lekadshah? Kiddush. Right? Kiddush and Havdalah. Right? Whether Havdalah is a Deiraisa, Deirabanan, separate discussion. But for sure, Kiddush. You are mentioning Shabbos. So if you look at Ibn Ezra, number two, Zachor as Vashti Bepeh, verbally, he mentioned her. And it also could be, as Rashi said in source number one, that it was the beauty, the, um, and therefore it's ve'esasher asasa. He remembered Vashti being beautiful, and he also remembered what she did. Yeah. Was Ahasuerus ever concerned, once all of this settled and the parties were over and he came to this realization, um, he was really a stable boy. She was the one that put him into power. Was he ever concerned that, whoa, what did I do? This is not like... Right. Now that goes back to Andy's point from before, but I think you had just come in. So, yeah. so, um, so no, the, the, once you have the Gemara's read um, of the history, that, that adds a dimension for sure. So your second idea here is Ahasuerus wasn't actually the one who wanted a new queen at all. Ahasuerus mentioned her. He talked about her. And then from there, it led to the aides saying, Yivakshulamelech. Let's go look for a, uh, a queen, and here's how to do it. Rav David Zinsheim offers a third idea. Rav David Zinsheim was a fascinating figure. Um, he was a rabbi in Germany in the end of the 18th century, beginning of the 19th century, and then he was a rabbi in France. Think of that period of time, right? What's going on, end of the 18th century, beginning of the 19th century in France and all over Europe? Revolution, but also Napoleon, right? Napoleon's invasion. So Napoleon, you may remember, had this whole plan for the Jews where he was going to civilize us. The plan for Napoleon was make the Jews into good citizens of Europe and give them rights. That was his, that was his vision. So he assembles a Sanhedrin of sorts to represent the Jews and to answer questions about our loyalty to him and to his empire and will we be good citizens and so on. And he brings in Rav David Zinsheim as the head of this Sanhedrin. And it's a whole fascinating story um, in its own right because Rav Zinsheim was a traditionalist. He was not, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't part of the, the reform type of approach that was also present in this Sanhedrin that wanted to say things that would be very acceptable to Napoleon. And on the one hand, he doesn't want to anger Napoleon. On the other hand, he doesn't want to... Um, he doesn't want to, um, to say something that he believes is not right. And there's first there's this assembly of Jewish notables that gives answers to questions, then it comes to him in the Sanhedrin, and he doesn't want to ratify what they said. So he's a story. But he also writes Shlal David, which is a commentary on parts of Tanakh, including Megillus Esther. So he says that 
He remembered Vashti and what was decreed, what she did and what was decreed. Take a look at number three. He says, He invokes the Gemara in Megillah. You know the story where Vashti had Jewish girls who were working for her, right? And she mistreated the Jewish girls who were working for her on Shabbos. So he remembered Vashti and what she did. And what was decreed upon her by Hashem? What happened to her as a punishment, which was what was decreed upon her because of this, which was tsaras, which is why she couldn't come out to the party. And therefore she didn't deserve to get killed. And therefore he was upset. He said, you know, that was the wrong call. She shouldn't have been killed. We should have been, you know, sympathetic. Like, of course she's not coming out to the party. And he felt bad as a result of that. And he remembered, Esasher Nigzar, it's an interesting word to use. Nigzar doesn't just mean necessarily the decree of his, you know, his decision to kill her. It means what Hashem mm-hmm. decreed mm-hmm. upon her. Yeah, no, it's not, it's not one that you... What, which one did you not hear? The, this explanation or the idea that she worked the Jewish girls? Oh, you know, that's the Gemara Megillah. That's the Gemara Megillah based on, based on the psukim surrounding the Na'arot of Esther. I've heard of that one. Yeah. That Esther had a different one for every day, so yeah. she remembered when Shabbos was? Yeah. Yes. So the, the Gemara, though, talks about her abuse of the Jewish girls, and that's why... Um, she ends up with either the tail or the tsaras, and that's why she won't come out to the party, and so on. Yeah. But it's not really... I don't like thinking about Hashverus as this good-hearted person. Do you know what I mean? Like he was ready to annihilate our entire people, and he really did know what he was doing. So, like, the whole context, he was dumb and he was a fool. I think that there are other, you know, we, I don't think that's true. And, and hearing this, it's like, wait a second. Like, this same person who's really bad is also a horrible... Person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, he is. I mean, Achashverosh is a horrible human being having nothing to do with us. We don't see that he's horrible so much. Really? Yes, we do. He's horrible. Don't no, no, no. Wait, 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 wait. Back up. Horrible. In chapter he's 2, Perak Bays, tell me, Achashverosh is... I know exactly what you're going to answer okay. me, so I'll give the answer also. <laughs> but let me just say the problem first. I know you by now. The um, Achashverosh summons women from all over the kingdom who do not have a choice. They're going to spend months in well, this. Wait, that, no. that was what you were going to say. I know. He, they spend months in this cosmetic arrangement, whatever that is, myrrh baths and whatever. And then, and then after after they've been hello, after they've been with Achashverosh once, they're stuck in his harem for life. This is a serial abuser. And I knew you were going to say, yeah, but they all were. But the that doesn't... <laughs> the whole world okay, like that. That's, that's not normal. The, the party, I learned, I forgot where, that like every detail of the party was to get the name of to sin. Like there were elements of the whole party that were like, he so, came in and, blah, blah, and everything he I did. mean, the Caleb of the base, I make the show a whole other Whatever, piece but of everything, this. like he was but. devious. He was this horrible person. He knew more than... I mean, he's not. He's not, a, he's not a good one. He's just not. But but this is all the third approach, okay, to why he, you know, get this idea of having a new queen, is that he remembers she was killed unjustly. You could also suggest that this is part of the overall satire of Ahasuerus in the Megillah. 
because the Megillah very much satirizes Ahasuerosh, it points, among other things, to his temper leading in contradictory directions, right? In the first parak, there's this whole satire going with him and his obsession with power and status and how he sets up the parties and he wants to get support from this group and he wants to get support from that group and, you know, the whole drinking component of his, uh, of his career as well. The, um, this could be part of the satire of Ahasuerus, and in particular, it's very interesting to note, the Greeks, who replaced the Persians, ultimately, satirized the Persians and mocked the Persians for their polygamy. When you read the writings of the Greek playwrights, they talk about the Persians as being immoral, and like, you're now playing up for Ahasuerus, the whole polygamy aspect of his uh, of his career. So maybe that's a piece of what's going on here is just you know making fun of Ahasuerus um, in this story. He says, yeah, now I remember it. I killed her. Okay, fine. Let me get a new one. The um, you could also read it, and uh, someone suggested this when I when I gave a share on this a couple of years ago, that maybe it's because he really likes the power of having people under his control. So he likes the idea of doing this process, the search thing, and getting all of these women from around the kingdom. It's all about his control of things. But it's interesting how it says here that what she did to the Jewish girls on Shabbos, like, why would that even come to his mind? Why would he think that, oh, it's because of the Shabbos? Why would he even have... Because the from that. No, right, but the question is, would he have understood yeah, like that that happened because of this? Yeah, no, that's a leap. That's, that's a leap. Yeah, I mean, the idea that he would have seen that she got Saraz and thought to himself, oh, this must be because, is not consistent with what we know of his persona. I, I definitely hear that. Also, even if, for whatever reason, she had Saraz, it doesn't matter what the reason is. Like, she didn't come to the party because she had Saraz. Right. So... I want to I want to go in a different direction with what it was that he was doing and what it was that motivated all of this. But in order to do that, you need you need certain questions. Um, looking at the psukim that I brought you in number four and that we read aloud before, um, some things don't really click with the different approaches we've been giving for why he wants a new queen. Let's say you have approach number one. Right? The first approach that we brought, Rashi's approach, it's about her beauty. Right? Why doesn't that make sense? That it's about Vashti's beauty? Why was Esther not beautiful? Oh, we're not at Esther yet. Why why doesn't it make sense to think that he's driven by a desire to find somebody beautiful? He has a whole harem, right? Like, why does that 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 should not require that he get himself a a queen? And if you take the approach that we brought, that it was because he mentioned her, and then the aides made this suggestion, and the um, and he rem- or that she was killed unjustly. Like, if you take these approaches, um, how do those cause him to want another queen? Okay, fine. Vashti got executed unjustly. What is? How do I solve that problem by getting another queen? So maybe it's just like you know, that maybe a king just needs a queen. He's like, Could be. He's like a huge emperor over like vast, like the biggest ruler in the world at that time. Yeah, it's like stability for the people. So I only have one problem with that, but I have to hold off because we haven't seen what's going to demonstrate the problem yet. But hold that question. I'm going to come back to it. Um, no but I have. The United States has ever not been married. Well, some got married in office. 
One, at least one got married in office. One of the early ones, yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember which one it was anymore. But one of the earlier ones got married in office, um, I believe, unless I'm completely remembering wrong. But the biggest question that I have within this, before I get to the next question that I'll call the biggest question, um, but who was it who came up with the idea that he should do this pageant? How are they described? Right, Naaros, right, or Naarim, I should say. His youths, his servants. This is not his council, right? In the first parak, we met his council. We met his chachamim there in, in Parak Aleph. Why is it that this idea is coming forth, being taken seriously, and being executed by, by the kids? Well, they're only going to show up one other time. They're only going to show up one other time, and that's going to be in Parak Vav when he can't sleep, and they read out for him. Um, you know, from the Debra Hayamim, from his chronicles, and tell him that Haman is outside. That's the only other time they're going to show up. Why are these the ones to guide selection of a queen? What happened to his Chachamim? Who are they? Because it's, we don't it's not even servants, know. but they're not servants. It says not right. right. They, no, I mean, youths are, are, is a term for children? servants. Oh, that would be interesting, but no, they're, 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 that na'ar is usually a term that's servant-associated. Not, not universally, but close. Servants versus um, a buyer. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had them. We met them in the first parak. The, uh, we even named them, right? Meres Marsanam and Muchan, Shivasare. You had people. They were different than the people who told him to kill Vashti? Yeah. Right, they were the... The so, ones and the ones. so why are these the people putting it forward? Why are they being taken seriously? Because maybe he's so angry that he woke up the next day and he's like, you messed up. You shouldn't have t- told me to kill her. And then? You made a mistake. You're fired. They probably got killed too. Yeah, you don't get, you don't get fired in the Persian <laughs> court. <laughs> so, so hold the thought. And then he says, like, he woke up. Here's a letter of reference. He hates what happened to Vashti. Remember what we just said. Yeah. It blames it on them because they were the ones who told him to do it. They get executed, and he now doesn't have new ones yet, so he calls in the young people. Right. So hold that idea. And because it's not officially wrong. It, it is not officially wrong. You are correct. Okay, but I wanted to ask one other great question first. And this is going to take us back to the idea that maybe a king needs a queen. Um, I didn't actually bring it on the sheet. I don't know why. Um, but what year was Vashti executed in? Right, Bishnas Shalosh, right? The third year of Achashverosh's reign, Bishnas Shalosh Lamalacho, right? That's when he, that's when he did this. Um, what year does, Achashver- does Esther go to Achashverosh? That's harder. Bishnas Sheva Lamalchuso, exactly, year seven. You've got a four-year search process. Four years. I mean, look, some, sometimes that happens. The, um, the, you're, you're, you're spending four years of him not calming down. Right? In other words, he killed her in year three. For four years, he's been angry. In year seven, oh, now I'm starting to calm down and I remember and all of that. That's a very difficult thing to, to understand. Unless. After these two, that's in year seven? Yeah. Correct. When Esther comes to him. That's already oh, oh, oh. after they're married a while. No, no, no. When she comes to him as part of the search process. Oh. 
Here, the, um, I brought a Megillah just in case it would be useful, and it is. What year is, 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 is this so that's what we don't know. Oh, we don't the know next that year that is mentioned is when, when, when Esther goes to Achashverosh, and there it says, Vatilakach Esther. Esther is taken. El Hamelach Achashverosh, El Beis Malchuso, Bachodesh Hasiri, Hu Chodesh Teves, Bishnas Shevala Malchuso. It says this happened after he, um, after his rage. You know, subsided. That's what it. That's what it says. Unless you're going to make the argument that he actually took four years. To, I mean, sorry. Either you take the view that the search process was a four-year search process, or you take the view that he didn't start on the process for four years. But then the question is, he managed without a formal queen for four years. For those who are saying a king needs a queen, like he did all right for four years, why does he now suddenly need a uh, queen? There's a historian. Um, named Charles Ellicott. I don't know how much of a historian he is exactly, but but um, but I, I, I saw him suggest that um, that they, if you look historically, there was a campaign by a Persian king Xerxes, who some associate with Achashverosh. So there's debate: is he, is he Xerxes? Is he Artaxerxes? But some suggest that Xerxes was him, and Xerxes has a campaign against Greece. And it's a four-year campaign, and maybe that's what's going on yeah, in the interim. Maybe. Or he went through all, all the women girls in the harem. And that's it. <laughs> no <laughs> such there were none that made him happy, like Vashti or whatever. Also, a he side really note, does he have any kids? Or is there other kids? First we know nothing <laughs> about his kids. So maybe he wouldn't. it wouldn't be acceptable to have a child with one of his in the harem. He needs to have a royal baby, and he needs a wife. If you're going by what would happen yeah. back in those days, yeah. I don't know that that's such a consideration. No, they weren't. Yeah. Like, they, um, I mean, he may he may need an heir also. I don't know. But with this as a preface, we come to Hindi's Medrash. If you take a look at source number five, this is from the Targum on Esther. We have two Targumim to Esther. Um, both Targumim are obviously Aramaic. Um, they're both loaded with Midrashim. Um, this Targum is not part of the classic Targum to Navi. There's a Targum to Navi which is mentioned in the Gemara by uh, Yonas and Benuziel, who is a Tana, and that is considered to be like Kodesh Kadashim, Targum Yonasan. Um, but Rav Haigon says this is not part of that. The Targum on Esther is not part of Yonas and Benuziel's Targum. Throwing in a little gaon there just because yeah, yeah we haven't we're gonna do gaon him this week so fine. But a chumash there's two right targum the, uh, and targum and targum. Well, so there are many targumim on chumash. Targum onkelos is the most popular one, and then you'll find chumashim that have targum yonasan, but that's not from Yonasan ben Uziel. The Gemara is explicit that he never did a targum on chumash. He only did a targum on navi. Hashem didn't want him to do a targum on chumash. So what you have there is somebody's targum which was attributed to Yonasan ben Uziel to give it status. That's horrible. Yeah, sorry. Among like secular scholars, they call it pseudo Jonathan, the um, because it's not you know somebody's yeah. Then there's also targum Yerushalmi, which you see in some chumashim um, on the, on chumash. So this targum is popularly traced to being somewhere after the uh, the the Mishnah, but somewhere before Islam. This is a very interesting thing because. Um, it is it is considered to influence some of the things that you find in the Quran about Shlomo, because there are things that are there in this Targum that talk about Shlomo and the Queen of Sheba and that show up in Islam afterwards. So there's somewhere in the window, we know this is after the Mishnah, 
and we know that it's before the Quran. It's like year 500. So somewhere around that, yeah. So the Targum says that Ahasuerus remembered how she was killed, and now he is angry. And as Hindi suggests, it's off with their heads for that first council. Take a look at number five. You can see my English translation as well as the uh, the Aramaic. Basar piskamaya ha'ilain. After these events, so far so good. Achard remaila, right? Kadpach ve'ishtedach marvis chamrei. When the wine started to wear off, the um, right marvias chamrei, mar bitter, cham, chamar is uh, is wine. So the bitterness of his wine has faded. Oh, you know what? I see the time. Okay, so I'm going to read out my English translation because we still wanted to do partial also. The, um, the anger of Achashverosh rested. He began to remember or perhaps mention Vashti. <coughs> and his counselors replied to him saying, but you're the one who sentenced her to death for what she did. Not the counselors in our parak, the ones who you know, are soon to be ex-counselors. The king replied to them, I didn't decree her execution, only that she should come before me, and she didn't come, and I instructed only that the throne be removed from her. I didn't say to execute her. They said to him, it's not so. You decreed that she be killed upon the advice of the seven counselors. Immediately his anger became powerful. He decreed that the seven counselors should be hanged. The execution of those who had given him advice initially. So that's what the Targum understands happened in our story. He remembered how she was killed. He got angry. He has the counsel from the first parak executed. And now the servants want to calm him down. So I'm getting back to that. They, um, They want to calm him down. And so they suggest a pageant. Now, that actually works really well. Because first of all, it shows Ahasuerus was not seeking a queen. Not shortly after Vashti and not later either. This was something they suggested in order to calm him down. It explains the language of Esasher Nigzar Aleha, that which was decreed upon her, not that which he decreed. It is their fault. The, um, it also explains why we never see those Chachamim who were there in Perak Aleph again in the Megillah. The answer is because exit stage left. They didn't get to see how the story ended. So my question is the same question you just asked, which is, so what happened to Mimuchan? One of the counselors was Mimuchan. The Gemara says Mimuchan is Haman. Sorry? The, um, the Gemara says that Mimuchan is Haman. So how does Haman survive? So the easy answer is Midrashim are not responsible to each other. One Medrash can say Mimuchan is Haman, and the other Medrash can say that Mimuchan was executed, and, and, then it's not, and it's not Haman. Does Mimuchan come up later then? No, no, mihuman. The, um, the, uh, no. Rav Soloveitchik simply says in Days of Deliverance that Mimuchan found a way to claim that the idea of executing Vashti was not his idea. I opposed it, you know, even yeah. though he's the one who's speaking in Paragalif, but that's a very Hamanesque type of a thing, you know. The, uh, right. So within that understanding of what's going on here, what's the function of the story? Like, what's the role of this story? What, why, do we, why do we need to know about Ahasuerus getting, you know, besides in order to understand how it was that Esther became queen, the, um, what else does it give us? He really didn't want her executed, Vashti, to begin with. It defines the dangerous, as well as power-hungry, but dangerous character of Ahasuerus. It shows that he's mercurial. 
he does this one day, he does that another day, he does something when he's angry, and then he regrets it. The, um, and it fits really well. Well, it fits really well with the kings of that era, right? If you learn Daniel, right, our first year, we did, uh, we did the beginning of Daniel. So how many years ago is that? I don't remember. But uh, I think it's more. But, um, but I trust you, it's six. The, um, but in, in Daniel Perakshani, remember, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he's so agitated by the dream, he summons his advisors and he says, if anybody can, can he says, I want you to tell me what I dreamed and what it meant. And if you can't tell me not only the explanation, but what the dream was in the first place, I'm executing you. And he's all set to do it until Daniel steps forward. It's a dangerous job, these advisors. Very dangerous. It's, you know, you're riding high until you're not. Yeah, exactly. The, um, but, but the point is that Ahasuerus is very much in the Nebuchadnezzar mold. He's one of these people who you don't know what he's going to do from one day to the next. One day he's happy, and one day. Nebuchadnezzar was Vashti's father. So no, he would have been he would have been her husband's grandfather, or her father, or her grandfather actually. Maybe like he needs to prove himself to be the royal crazy like the past because he really was nothing. Or everyone of that time. Maybe. The the point is though that I think it tells us as readers of the Megillah that the Persians are dangerous. In other words, you're starting to read this. You know, we're, we're influenced by everything we read as little kids. So we walk into the Megillah and we already know the story. But if you're reading this from the start and you see what Achashverosh did in the first parak, and then you see what he does in the second parak, you are now being tipped off. This person is unstable. He's, he's unstable and you don't know what he's going to do from one day to the next, which helps us to understand what happens in the fourth and fifth parak? Esther has no desire whatsoever to go to Achashverosh. Sorry? Yeah. Right. No, I mean, you, but you, you can totally understand. Like, people read that and they're like, how could she not go? And Mordechai says the whole people are relying on her. And the answer is because she knows this guy. She, well, she's trapped forever regardless, but forever might become really short. Yeah, right. So, so the um, the idea then is that um, number one, it's it's defining Achashverosh for us in a very real way. Number two, it also makes us less beholden to Achashverosh than we might have thought. If Achashverosh is the one who starts the the pageant, then he's the one who elevated Esther. But it didn't come from him. It came from the youths who just wanted to pacify him. And distract him exactly. It's not a to bring Esther into the palace. Well, that's true either way. You read it. Yeah. Okay, so that was just you know one sort of um, piece of Megillah Esther. There's a lot to say, obviously, about the Megillah. Uh, how many weeks did we spend on it when we did the Megillah? I forget. We did a lot of weeks on Megillah Esther. Um, I think it was 18. It was seven. Okay. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Um, so we have two options. Um, how much time do we have? Um, 17 minutes. Okay, so we can either do Parsha or we can do another Megillah idea that I have here. I'm fine either way. I want to hear about the seed diet. Yeah, I'm interested in the seed diet. Okay, the Parsha people are okay if we do Megillah? Yeah. Okay. Megillah it is then.